Hello and welcome to the PLUS podcast, which this time comes from Stephen Hawking's 70th birthday conference, which took place at the University of Cambridge in January 2012. In this podcast, Rachel Thomas speaks to Professor Renata Kalosh from Stanford University about a theory that promises to unite the physics of the very small, that's quantum physics, with the physics of the very large, that's Einstein's description of gravity. It's called N equals 8 supergravity. This podcast accompanies the article Supergravity to the Rescue, which has some more information on what's being discussed. And you can find that article at plus.mass.org by entering supergravity in the search box. Okay, so I'm here with Professor Renata Kalosh uh, from Stanford University. Yes. And uh, your talk on Thursday was about something called N equals 8 supergravity. Um, Perhaps you could first of all tell us what the difficulties have been combining gravity with one of the biggest theories of, quanti- of theoretical physics, quantum physics. So, uh, in simple terms, we don't know what quantum gravity is as of today, despite all attempts and despite the beautiful story of general relativity at the classical level and beautiful story of quantum theory working for particle physics but we don't know how to make two of them working together. And of course, the main story here and the main hope is and remains associated with string theory. However, there was recently some interesting uh, development in the context of four-dimensional quantum field theory, which has a maximum amount of supersymmetry. Therefore, it is called N equals eight, because this is a maximum number the four-dimensional theory could have, which has only particles of spin not higher than two. So everything stops with graviton. So, sorry, could I ask you a couple of things? Um, could you give us a, a, a sort of rough idea of what supersymmetry is and then what you mean by maximally um, supersymmetric? So supersymmetry is the uh, hypothetical symmetry, which we have not seen yet in the world, which relates every particle with some other particle with uh, half integer spin. So if the original particle has an integer spin, the partner, the supersymmetric partner, has uh, a spin different by one half. So for the boson it is a fermion. For neutrino it is neutralina. For the graviton, gravitino. And so depending on how many partners each particle has, you can have n equals one supersymmetry, the simplest, which we are hoping to discover at LHC. So that means that the H particle in the standard model just has one superpartner? In the best case, we will hope to discover n equals one supersymmetry. But in theory, we go for as much as the theory allows us, and this is n equals eight. And um, when... uh, so what, one of the things that I've always thought was interesting is why do we need to understand gravity at the quantum level? What, what are the points in which we'll observe sort of quantum gravity? Because we have a nice description of gravity in the classical everyday level with Newtons. We have a cosmological level understanding of gravity with general relativity. When is it going to be important for us to understand gravity at at a quantum level? That is all true. The simplest answer is uh, we have singularities in classical 
theory of relativity and it is extremely interesting to learn what quantum theory will tell us about it and since we don't have a consistent quantum theory of gravity we have nothing to say besides there is this tendency to unify theories and because all theories of particle physics are based totally on quantum theory it is a shame not to be able to include gravity. So it is an idea, abstract idea of unification which drives us to find quantum gravity as part of all four fundamental interactions, weak, electromagnetic, strong, and gravitational, to be combined in certain quantum theory. So when you're talking about quantum gravity might come into play at singularities, do you mean instances like black holes and that in kind of In particular, yes, of course. When we, when we deal with um, classical general relativity, we have singularities in black holes, and obviously we have singularities in Big Bang story, and uh, we don't know whether quantum theory will resolve and in which way because we don't have this theory but at least we try and we hope that there will be some uh, outcome which will tell us more about this extremely interesting and puzzling issue of general relativity. And from what I understand it's been there hasn't been much success combining uh, quantum physics with gravity. Um, so what is it about this new n equals 8 supergravity, the idea that you're talking about gravity involving supersymmetry with as m the maximum number of symmetric uh, superpartners? What is it about that that is a step forward or potentially a step forward? So during the last 20-something years, everybody, including me, uh, and we still uh, absolutely believe that the best candidate for such unified theory is a string theory superstring theory and it operates in 10 dimension and it tells us that the fundamental theory uh, corresponds to vibration of strings and it is still true and it kind of doesn't like that much to go to a simple level of four dimensional quantum field theory because until recently this particular maximally supersymmetric quantum field theory of supergravity was believed definitely to be uh, plugged by infinities. So what happens few years ago, uh, a group of um, uh, physicists performed the incredible set of computation and to everybody's surprise they discovered that instead of ultraviolet divergence, which is very bad, uh, at, the, at, the, at the level of three-loop approximation, uh, the theory is totally Finite. So is the problem um, that when you write down the equations involving the interactions um, of quantum field theory that you end up getting infinitely many terms in your equations? Is, is that what you mean by plague by infinity? Right. So the uh, quantum field theory which describes particle physics fortunately don't have this problem because there exists standard model of elementary particles which avoids precisely this problem and therefore it is predictable. Whereas when we try to make theory of gravity it leads to infinite sequence of very bad terms and we lose any predictive power. And so what happens few years ago that instead of a bad term at the third loop level and fourth loop level few years ago, uh, the theory is good. And we're trying to understand it, and we're trying to understand whether in higher loops, at higher order approximation, this feature will persist. 
So it is really interesting. So when they did it, was it N equals four, did you say? N equals eight. N equals eight. So, when, so at this maximally symmetric um, level, um, with the largest number of super partners, that um, you're able to sort of write down these equations without these infinite terms, which means that you, you might be able to actually they make it a predictive. They have been computed, right. and instead of something which behaves extremely bad, the bad term came up with a coefficient equal to zero, because all bad term cancelled. This is what we're trying to understand now. Was it accidental? at the third and fourth loop level, or it will continue like that. And of course, uh, everybody is curious to know what will happen. So, um, how far off do you feel from knowing whether this is a good description, a good of quantum gravity? And, um, and then how far off do you think we are from perhaps seeing some kind of experimental evidence for it? No, I don't think we're even close to anything experimental here. But I would say at the theoretical level, there is a significant interest just to understand what we learned recently and what it means. So during the next period, I think quite a few people will try to understand the meaning of it. And I'm one of them, <laughs> simply because I worked on it a long time ago. And at the time, Steve Hawking was extremely interested. And then I was one of the people who noticed that bad things should be expected. And it is the first one in this set of bad things which has been computed and turned out not to be there. Therefore, I, I tried to, to understand the story. And uh, as far as coming along to Stephen Hawking's 17th conference, um, uh, have you have you enjoyed hearing the other lectures? And, and yeah, it's a beautiful symposium, and his uh, intellectual presence is absolutely dominating here. And although he is not here physically, but everything which is happening, everybody I think enjoys enormously, which is our our deepest. Uh, we admire his, uh, you know his view of physics and uh, even this set of speakers, they all somehow are deeply related to his ideas and it was beautiful conference. I heard he's been watching it on the live web stream though. <laughs> I hope so and I wish him the very, very best and that we are very grateful that he was able to bring us together again. Thank you very much, Renata. And that's the end of this episode of the PLUS podcast from Stephen Hawking's birthday conference. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.